0: Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MABSMoneyBall.com, and I am joined. My guest today is Ian Miller from the Mavs MoneyBall website that I just mentioned, that I am from, he is from. We're doing some synergy today with the site and the podcast. Uh, Ian, thanks so much for joining us.
1: No problem. Glad to be here.
0: Ian is one of our draft experts, guru. Which one do you prefer?
1: I think uh, just enthusiast is probably the most <laughs> apt, but you know I'll, I'll take any, uh, any praise you want to heap on me. That's fine.
0: <laughs> do you actually enjoy watching college or is college a way like watching these guys? Is that a way for you to get into talking about NBA stuff? Is it a gateway to NBA stuff or do you actually like watching college basketball?
1: I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, um, college basketball can be pretty bad, but... Uh it it's definitely fun. I mean, uh March Madness is obviously a lot of fun. Um, I think it, it really boils down to you're kind of getting a sneak peek at the future of the league of the NBA. You know, and mm-hmm. uh in in that sense, you know, it's 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 really I guess more about the NBA. But but I, I think college basketball can be a lot of fun on its own merits, you know? You do <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like summer league. You know, I, I've been to summer league a few times, and if you want to see like legitimately terrible basketball, that that's that's just awful basketball. But but people still go to that too. So you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess I shouldn't talk because I I've been to summer league twice now, and I love summer league so much. But I think I like <laughs> it more for the atmosphere than the actual games. You know, it's just kind of
1: yeah,
0: it's like yeah. you're having a party and a basketball game breaks out. That's kind of how summer league feels.
1: <laughs> yeah like for me it's it's the first couple of games you're kind of you know floating on the like you said the energy but then by the end of the week you start to feel like you know you're you're trapped and someone locked the door and won't let you out you know
0: <laughs> oh man well let's hope that the mavericks don't feel trapped and not being able to let out this summer hopefully some stuff happens we're excited for things to happen and uh, the draft man the draft is by the time everybody's hearing this is about a week away so it's uh, it's getting real close. So, Ian, first question for you: Who do you want right now, right as we're speaking, for the Mavericks to draft at number five? Who are you feeling
1: at number five? I mean, can I not to give too many stipulations, but can you tell me who's off, who's already taken in this scenario?
0: I can't. Just give me a feeling. Who do who okay. do you want? So you could you could pick anybody. Like you could say okay. I really want Doncic. You could say I really want Aiden. But you know, we'll right. take that with as what yeah, it
1: I'll, I'll answer the question operating under the assumption that Doncic is gone because he would be okay. the easy answer. Um, a realist. Yeah. Uh, in the realistic scenario realm, uh, I think the best case is that Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, falls to five. You know, he's uh, a young guy. Uh, you require a little bit of projection with him because he didn't play a ton of minutes at Michigan State. So there's at least a chance that. Some teams go for, you know, players who had, you know, numbers that jumped out maybe a little bit more. But he would be, I think, the the best realistic, you know, outcome for the Mavericks at five.
0: Yes, that's where I'm exactly there, too. If they can't get Doncic, then I want Jaron Jackson Jr. And Isaac has been... Pretty bullish on uh, on Jaron Jackson. He he has him like sixth on his Mavs board, which I think is a little insane. Uh, Hmm. Talk talk me up on Jaron Jackson and uh, and why is Isaac so wrong that he's just stupid?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I guess six isn't exactly like uh, dumping on the guy. You know, I I won't I won't go too bad on Isaac, but
0: no, but I I I will dump on Isaac. So
1: (laughs) okay, I'll I'll let you handle that part. But uh, (laughs) no, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just really kind of the perfect new age NBA center. You know, if you talk about where the league is going and and really I think where the Mavericks have have already started to go, it's a lot of five-out basketball where you have, you know, everyone spacing the floor, everyone passing, everyone moving and just creating, stretching the defense as much as possible. And uh, Jaron Jackson is really the best maybe ever prospect-wise center to fit that profile because he combines, you know, elite, Uh, rim protection he blocked a ton of shots and he's also a a really good three-point shooter and uh, I think when you you also consider the fact that he's one of the youngest players um, in this draft I I, people really may be underselling what his ceiling is and uh, yeah I mean I I honestly it's not something that I I understand why people love Aiton and all that but um, just looking at where the league is going I might say that jackson fits the new nba even better than ayton though yeah more because of defensive questions but that that's that's the big thing with jackson and the fact that there's a you know not necessarily a great chance but a chance that he could fall to five that that would really just be great for for the mavericks and going forward
0: especially some of these teams like atlanta like working out guys like uh like Trey Young, you know, teams working out Michael Porter Jr. all the time and, and giving medicals to teams, and you're like, mm, okay, stuff could happen. Like we're, yeah, sure. we're getting people are getting a little excited today on the Moneyball Slack talking about uh, guys that could like, you know, how the top five could just go crazy because we all think it's just going to go chalk, and all these five guys have been the top five, and you just never know. It could could go something crazy, but I, I love Jaron Jackson Jr. That's that's the guy that I want right there, and the age people bring up a lot, but that's that's extra years of development. Honestly, I think his ceiling and I, this is who I compared him to in our profile is Kevin Garnett. Like yeah. the guy, the rim protection you're going to get from him. You're going to get the, the offensive versatility where he can put the ball on the floor. He can take it to the basket. He can shoot probably, I mean, definitely better than Garnett when he first came out. Yeah. That's just, you know, the way that the NBA is now, but Garnett later in his career had a shot. He could, he could, you know, put it up and, uh, and man, he is just the overall can be, can be really scary he's a guy that could make you know like an all nba type team like that and he, people bring up his minutes a lot with jaron jackson but carl anthony towns played like 21 minutes a game too <laughs> you know there's just yeah. some some of these teams they just get stuck in this this role or they get stuck in this like slot in the depth chart and the college coaches are a little they kind of get you know stubborn on how to play them
1: yeah well you brought up towns and that's definitely a good comparison i i think for jackson it was really more about uh, you know, not to blame it all on Tom Izzo, but there was so much talent on that Michigan State team. You know, you had Miles Bridges, who's going to go in the lottery somewhere. You had, you know, uh, Nick Ward, who was a- another big man that was playing next to him, and you know, he he ate up a lot of the rebounds and ate up a lot of the attention inside. So I think, like Towns, you know, sometimes guys who are really talented uh, but are versatile get kind of buried because they can do so many different things and they kind of let other, other guys, you know, have their, their time too, you know? So uh, for, for Jackson, it's really more about when he gets to the NBA and the floor opens up, how he's going to be able to to do so many different things, uh, you know, just defensively. Uh, oh, yeah. I, and you, you mentioned Garnett, I think, um, I don't know if the skill level on offense is, is going to be at Garnett level, but defensively, that you're in the neighborhood of the kind of impact I think he could have, just being able to switch, guard guys out on the perimeter. I mean, he moves so well, and then he's just a incredibly, you know, instinctive shot blocker and, and rim protector, and that that's just so valuable in the league right now.
0: Oh, for yeah. sure, that that combination, that like stretch five kind of deal. Uh, why Jaron Jackson Jr. and not Mo Bamba, who seems to be the uh, the Mavs media darling
1: right now? Yeah, you know, Bamba is uh, an interesting guy. He's he's clearly you know talented, and uh, I understand absolutely why people are kind of drooling over him because you know the wingspan is is really un- unprecedented, historic. You know, um, for me, just looking at Bamba, uh, watching the games, I didn't see quite the kind of motor and quite the kind of instincts uh, that you know you really want to have when you're talking about a guy who's going to be more of a defensive prospect than offensive prospect you know so many people compare him to rudy gobert and i understand why because of the length and you know and the and the mobility or at least the mobility potential but uh you know watching gobert now he's so smart at diagnosing plays and understanding where to be on the court you know he kind of can look awkward and gangly when he you know tries to chase guards out on the perimeter, but He's very effective, and you know I, I just think that's kind of a rare thing. And I don't, I, I just didn't see uh, quite the same range and versatility defensively in Bamba. And you know, he's a really interesting guy. Like I said, uh, he's very smart. He's very charismatic. I think clearly um, he'll impress teams in interviews and impress teams when you know they, they talk to him in that situation. But I think for all the talk about how much better he gets, uh, people haven't really, you know, uh, considered that he's a little older than the average freshman. I mean, I think he's already 20 years old, which, you know, I I, I get it. That's not that doesn't mean he's, you know, re- in retirement age. But uh, comparatively, <laughs> when you look at freshman prospects and you try and say this guy's going to get this much better or that much better, he's a little bit behind the curve, you know, so That's just why I'm slightly down on Bamba. You know, he's still very much in my top 10. I think as a a potential pick at number five, you know, it might not be my first choice, but I certainly wouldn't hate it or think that it was a terrible move. You know, he'll get taken high and deservedly so.
0: Yeah, it's funny when people talk about ages like Jaron Jackson Jr. is 18 and Bamba is 20 and they think that people say that that's such a big difference and age would be a reason you take him like like you said 20 isn't retirement age unless you're like playing esports or something like that. I feel like that's the only that's the only thing or uh, oh, what like a teenage um, like beauty pageants. That's the only retirement right, age right. that 20 should be. Yeah. <laughs> Also living in a dorm room. That should be the retirement age for living in a dorm room. Oh yeah, you got to get out by 20 definitely. <laughs> you got you got to get out of there. Um why not Michael Porter Jr? Is it just because of the injury he seems to be what Mavs fans want more than anything right now. I mean, my my mentions are just so full of Michael Porter Jr and people say why are you why are you crapping on Michael Porter Jr and all this stuff and if not for the injury, would you have picked Michael Porter Jr there at 5?
1: Yeah, to be honest, the injuries, uh, while they're a concern, I don't know if they're my biggest concern. I, I feel like if Casey Smith, the athletic trainer for Dallas, uh, evaluates him and okay's him, then really I, I just I would write off the injury stuff because you know, that's just not my expertise. And I'll let people who really know that stuff kind of decide that, um, you know, I, I have no idea how to whatever breakdown micro disectomy or whatever the surgery he had was and what it, what it means. You know, I, I won't pretend that I have any kind of expertise there, but, um, Isaac and
0: I pretend that we do so we got that. We got that covered.
1: You guys are fake doctors, but I'm not, uh, (laughs) as much doctors as those
0: guys on scrubs. That's (laughs) right.
1: Right. Right. Uh, yeah, for me, the issues are more about, um, number one, can he really be a, a a team basketball player? You know, because he does have kind of a rep as a gunner. Uh, I mean, I think he had one assist in fifty three minutes uh, at Missouri, and he had you know something similar. You know, playing at the Nike Hoop Summit and you know at the AAU circuit and all that. You know, and also, and this is something that you know you, you hesitate to um, to overreact to, but there have been a lot of whispers just about much he likes basketball what the kind of teammate he is in the locker room and what kind of work habits practice habits he has and that that's something that dallas tends to um you know consider pretty highly uh and with good reason because i think whenever you're talking about a top five pick and a guy that you're assuming is going to be a major pillar of your team going forward you now you really want to make sure that that's a guy that's that's going to do everything he can to be the best player he can be and you know, I, I don't know Michael Jordan or Michael Porter Jr. personally, obviously, but uh, there are enough whispers out there to make me at least, you know, weary of the idea of, uh, of picking him at five and thinking it's going to be great. You know, that being said, uh, uh, his skill set is great. I mean, the fact that he's, you know, almost 6'11", uh, he's athletic, he can shoot, he can score. That's really what Dallas needs. And, you know, if... If I had, uh, I think if he had just, you know, if he had played more and I saw enough in terms of the passing and like the peripheral secondary skills to kind of give me the sense that he was going to be a a good NBA player, I, I might just say, you know, forget about all the other stuff, all the off court stuff. But when there isn't that data there, you know, they're like, and this is something I wrote in my profile of him. It kind of leaves a void and all that other stuff, the off-court stuff, the medical stuff, you know, it, it kind of fills that void because you don't have the tape to be like, oh, you know, okay, so he's not a great teammate, but look at him put up 40 on Auburn or something like that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the stats can definitely outweigh those, you know, those like intangible things and you can just, you can look at a guy and be like, "Man, he just he outplays everything." Andrew Bynum was a guy that reminded me of what you just said. He was a guy that didn't really care too much about basketball. He came into the NBA as like a 17-year-old and he he had incredible talent. Like guy made an all he made an all NBA team. It's hard it's hard to it's hard to uh, remember that he made an all NBA team. A Couple of All-Stars, I think. A mm-hmm. Couple of All-Star teams and he was supposed to be that next guy to come up with you know, with Kobe and Pau Gasol. And if he, he even started, I think the finals in 2009 or 10, I think, yeah, one of those two. And just, he, he was like on the the next level, but he just, he didn't love basketball and it just got to him. You play so much with a guy that's hard to play with in Kobe. And then you just, you know, the rug almost just gets pulled out from under you. So it's definitely, it's a fair question. And there's a lot of questions uh, about Porter Jr. in that regard, but his game to me, I I could not, if the Mavericks drafted Michael Porter, Jr, I could not stop making memes of Dennis and Michael Porter Jr like uh superimposed over Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. <laughs> just to me, that's like who they would be. They would just be Diet Durant and Westbrook to me,
1: yeah, I mean, just the fact that you know you you have Dennis already and to get another kind of alpha score would be yeah really help jump start kind of the team's path back to contention and yeah, I, I guess it's just sort of a situation where, uh, for now I'm erring on the side of caution. But if Casey Smith and Rick Carlisle take a look at him and say, we can work with this kid, I think, you know, he's a tr- terrific pick at five. I mean, if, if everything else checks out, I think you could definitely, uh, take a gamble on, on what he brings.
0: A guy that, uh, Isaac has often, uh, pooped on i guess i can just say pooped on because it's, it, that's that's the way that it feels like sometimes and okay. a guy that has recently be, been uh linked with dallas he reported himself that, that he is working out with right. dallas is wendell, wendell carter jr what do you think about him and why is why would it be crazy if the maps picked him at five
1: uh I, I missed the last part of the question but you're, you're asking about wendell carter is that right yeah
0: why would it be crazy if they picked wendell carter at five
1: well or would it uh, I am not the, yeah, in my opinion, it would not be crazy. Um, I think, uh, and this may be jumping the gun on a question you're going to ask later, but throughout the draft process, I think the player that I changed the most on, that, you know, the guy that grew on me the most was Wendell Carter Jr., because, you know, he doesn't have uh, elite athletic traits. He's not a guy that's going to jump out of the gym like Marvin Bagley. You know, he's not going to, you know, make any sort of crazy highlight plays necessarily, but he is an incredibly uh, smart, solid player who really doesn't have any glaring weakness. I mean, he kind of just does everything well. And for me, you know, there's something really appealing about that because for all the talk about ceilings and upside and all that, you know, uh, I I just sort of think how many times do we talk about draft prospects and how they could be the next whatever, you know, Duncan or Garnett or Dirk, and then it just doesn't happen because those guys are just super rare, and that's why you know all these guys with major upside but kind of glaring holes, you know, they scare me a little bit. And Wendell Carter is really the the antithesis of that. He's not necessarily someone you think is uh, going to develop into whatever a uh, you know Hall of Famer, but uh, I I just don't see a way he doesn't end up having a, a really long successful career because. Uh, You know, he he can be a rim runner. He can be just a solid uh, defensive guy. He knows where to be. He's long. He has great instincts. And then he can do a lot of other things that, that, like I was talking about before with Jaron Jackson, could really uh, help him thrive in five-out style basketball because he's a great passer and he's actually, I I think, a really underrated shooter. I think that's – of all the the skills that maybe are being uh, undersold in the whole process – Wendell Carter Jr. shooting might be top of the list because, you know, he shot, I think, 42% from the college three, close to 75% from uh, free throws. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that could end up making him arguably, you know, the best or second best shooter from the big man group uh, in this draft.
0: Yeah. The Wendell thing for me, and we did it when we did our profile on him, I said, I just. I need to take a bigger swing, you know, if I'm the Mavericks, this is probably the highest they're going to be in in a long time. And you just got to take a swing for a guy that could potentially make, you know, an all NBA team or be defensive player of the year or something with like a guy has to have a super high upside for me to be, to take this, you know, this is one of the biggest assets the Mavericks have had in a long time. And to, to use it on a guy that's just, that's probably going to be solid and good in all areas, but a lot of things would have to go right for him to be like an all-star. I don't think that, that, is good enough for me that's just a difference of philosophy for me i think and uh maybe mavs fans that have been mavs fans longer than you know i've been around the team would would disagree and just say can we just get some solid players here? <laughs> you know like can we just get some guys that are going to be really really good for a long time instead of trying to swing for the fences
1: yeah no i understand that and you know i i've been looking i've been trying very hard to find the guy that's going to be the you know the the all nba type and you know, for a little bit, I flirted with Michael Porter Jr. And you know, I, I tried really hard to kind of see what other people see in Bamba. But uh, I don't know. I, I fear that the unfortunate reality is that when Dallas landed fifth, that they kind of took themselves out of that top tier. And you know, I uh, all NBA is probably not in the cards for Wendell Carter Jr. But you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that an all star appearance wouldn't be in the cards. I mean, I think if you look at a guy that he's compared to a lot, Al Horford, you know, he's not someone that, you know, casual fans will necessarily say, you know, this guy's a superstar. He's a top 20 player. But, um, you know, I, I think the impact he brings just when you look at all the things he can do, his versatility, his defensive presence, his locker room, intangibles, et cetera. Uh, you know, I, I think he's he's an all star and uh you saw the Celtics, you know, um, way overachieve in terms of where people thought they were gonna be with all those injuries. And a big reason was Horford. And, you know, if Dallas could get that guy, I, I don't know. I, I think I think there's an argument to be made that uh you just sort of you you go for that solid pick and and try and build from there and you know I, I but like I said I understand the other perspective as well.
0: Yeah, that would be the most boring pick. I think if they picked Wendell Carter, I'd be like, oh okay, all right, we're gonna see a guy you know play some solid basketball, and uh I wouldn't be as like excited. Which which of these guys that could potentially go for the Mavericks? And to me, it seems. There are only a few names that are kind of connected to the Mavericks. It's Jackson, Bagley, Bamba, Porter, Carter, and Mikhail Bridges. Those are like the only names that I feel in my heart that are possible <laughs> for the Mavericks to draft. And some crazy things would have to go right for the, them to get like Jackson or Bagley. But which of those names would excite you the most? Where on draft night, the Mavericks make the pick. Adam Silver goes up on the podium. He says... With the fifth pick in the 2018 draft, the Dallas Mavericks select, which one makes you the most excited?
1: I'm sorry, give me give me the names again? <laughs> It'd be
0: Jackson, Bagley, Bamba, Porter, Carter, or Mikhail Bridges.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess I said Jackson before, right? So that would probably be my answer, but if, I, if I'll pick a second guy, um, you know, talking about Marvin Bagley, uh, he's another guy that, you know, I, I kind of have gone back and forth on a little bit. I think uh he came out of the gate so strong for duke and really just put up like crazy numbers initially and then as teams kind of started to look at him closer they saw some of the defensive deficiencies and the positional questions but you know Bagley is really such a unique prospect and i think if you just want to look about maybe the player that would be the most fun to watch you know i i can't even picture how dynamic and and exciting a Dennis Smith Marvin Bagley pick and roll could be I mean those two guys are so athletic there'd be so many dunks so many highlights and you know there would still be those questions about defense but uh, I I could see Marvin Bagley especially in Rick Carlisle's system when you think about the success Brandon Wright had Tyson Chandler guys like that Marvin Bagley could be like a turbo version of Brandon Wright and that could be really exciting
0: it could be could be really interesting Um, speaking of all of those guys how have you changed the most over the year uh, as far as which guy you wanted, so you said early you wanted Michael Porter Jr. Now you're kind of on Jaron Jackson. Is that kind of where it it went, or have you have other guys? You said you kind of flirted with them. Uh, you kind of date prospects, <laughs> you know, throughout the year. You're like, all right, now now I'm trying out this guy, and I'm trying out this guy. Uh, which which other guy have you been like? Okay, at one point in the year, you said this is the guy I want them to draft.
1: Hmm, that's a, yeah, I mean I guess like I said I I've, I I might have been jumping the gun on it. I feel like Wendell Carter is probably that guy. Uh let me think see if I can think of another guy. I'll say a guy that maybe I was kind of lukewarm on but I've started to warm up more is actually uh, Miles Bridges, the uh the Michigan State guy. You know, I don't I don't necessarily think he's t- top 5, but if for example the the Mavericks Tried to, to uh, try to do a trade back scenario and uh, went back to sort of the eight nine ten area something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Miles Bridges maybe I, I've I've uh, I had misjudged him before because you know he played a lot of like basically small ball power forward uh, his freshman year and this season with you know Nick Ward and Jaron Jackson in the front court he he had to play the traditional you know small forward spot which is probably what he'll play in the league and he didn't necessarily run with it he wasn't like amazing in terms of his uh, progression and development but i think he showed a lot of different things and i think in a weird way if you can take like the best things that he did uh, as a freshman which was like you know attacking the basket and he actually shot the three a little better as a freshman got more rebounds more blocks and then add in the things that he did well as a sophomore, like the the passing and the shooting off the dribble and stuff like that. I actually think you could end up having a pretty interesting player. I don't know if that's really where he's going to end up going. But uh, physically, you know, he's definitely NBA ready. I mean, he's built like a tank. He's like 6'6", 220. Uh, he's incredibly athletic he really plays almost like a football player, kind of like you know a big version of, of Dennis Smith, actually, uh, and just attacking the basket. He can do a lot of different things, but I, I think people kind of expected or wanted him to turn into this super skilled, ball-handling, passing uh, perimeter guy, and that didn't really happen, but I think maybe people didn't appreciate the kind of progress he made and, and the way his college career has gone. So I think he's a guy that, uh, in terms of doing a lot of different things, he could be an interesting wing, especially because the, the Mavericks really need wings. And if Doncic isn't there, you know, finding that guy could be pretty difficult.
0: Before we go, <laughs> give me some names that you're thinking or feeling for the Mavs at 33. Who are some guys you're interested in the second round?
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I've I've written about this. Uh, Jordan and I have written a lot about this actually, but I think that sort of late first. Early second bubble is gonna be ripe with uh those yeah, positionless wing types. You know, you look at guys like Melvin Frazier from Tulane, Shake Milton, the SMU product, um uh little Jacob Evans, you know, he's he might go top twenty, top twenty-five out of Cincinnati, but if he falls, I think he'd be another great pick. Um, you know, I, I think guys like Kyrie Thomas and Josh Okogi have probably played themselves into top 20 but you know that one of those guys might fall because you know on draft night you always have one guy that kind of surprises you and ends up falling Um, also there are some stretch fours that I think could be interesting too like uh, we wrote about Kenrick Williams from TCU and Gary Clark from Cincinnati Uh, those guys are just super heady smart basketball players who can you know stretch the floor pass a little bit Uh, they seem like workers they would fit in really well with Carlisle uh, and then maybe sort of the, the good story, uh, would actually probably be Moritz Wagner from, uh, Michigan, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the German kid who yeah. idolized Dirk. And, uh, you know, I think that would be a really special thing to unite those two and, and he can play too. I mean, he's a great shooter, you know, obviously a guy who worships Dirk, you know, you would think he'd be be able to shoot the ball. His great footwork. I mean, maybe some of the best footwork, you know, I've seen in a few years, uh, you know, works really well mid, mid to high post. And I think even though he kind of has the rep of being, you know, like the tall, white, stiff guy, he actually moves his feet pretty well. I mean, he's not going to block a ton of shots, but I think you get more defensive value than you expect from uh, a player with that profile.
0: Maxi and Mo, they can just fight it out for those backup third string center
1: minutes. <laughs> yeah, man, the all German team.
0: yeah maxi mo we take uh isaac bonga too we could take him with a later pick and just have them all out there there you go all right ian thank you so much for joining us and uh talking some draft with us we're excited for it we're ready
1: thank you so much for having me anytime